Welcome to this week's Leader Training Podcast for the Gospel Project for Adults. I'm Daniel Davis. This week we are on Unit 19, Session 6, titled The Savior is Our Sacrifice, which is a doctrine session focusing on Christ as sacrifice. If your group is keeping up with the suggested use dates for the curriculum and this volume, then this coming Sunday is Easter Sunday. And this has helped to shape the way this unit and doctrinal session are framed. We begin this unit as the start of the New Testament portion of the storyline of the Bible that we have been following. We conclude this unit with a doctrinal focus on Christ as sacrifice, which is why the Son of God entered into His creation in flesh in the first place. The Father sent the Son so that we might be saved through Him, specifically through His substitutionary and sacrificial death in our place on the cross. It is interesting for me with the timing of our production cycle that my team has just wrapped up the volume that includes the crucifixion and resurrection in their storyline placement. In volume 9, coming up two quarters from now, we will look at Jesus as the promised prophet, priest, and king, roles in the Old Testament that find their ultimate fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. This week's session lays down some of the framework that we will pick up then with the unit on Christ as priest. Easter week is a vivid reminder of Jesus' purpose and work, the reason why he was born into the world as a human being. We focus on the cross and resurrection at Easter since this week commemorates these events in Jesus' life. However, all the way back at his birth, the descriptions used of Jesus pointed forward to the way his life would lead to his sacrificial death. The angel told Joseph to marry Mary and name the baby Jesus because Quote, he will save his people from their sins. In the temple, Simeon held aloft the infant Jesus and praised God, having seen the Lord's salvation. And then Simeon looked at Mary and Joseph and foretold that Jesus would be a sign to be opposed and that a sword would pierce Mary's own soul. These descriptions also point back to the Old Testament, as many of the images that foreshadowed his death were woven into the story of God from long ago, such as the temple and the sacrificial system. Jesus came into our world in flesh, fully God and fully man, in order to be the ultimate sacrifice to pay for the sins of the world and bring people into relationship with God. As Jesus would teach at a later time, He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. In point one, we look at the truth that Jesus came to be the greater temple. A few weeks ago, we looked at the narrative of young Jesus remaining behind after the Passover festival to be in his father's house, which was the temple of the day, known as Herod's temple. In this session, Jesus is back at the temple around the time of the Passover. As a fulfillment of scripture, specifically Psalm 69, 9, Jesus, seeing the greed and dishonor going on in his father's house, fashioned a whip turned over tables, and drove the money changers and merchants out of the temple precincts. This, of course, upset the routine and circumstances within the temple, and the Jews who witnessed these events interrogated Jesus as to why he acted this way. They asked him for a sign to justify himself. Interestingly, the sign Jesus offers wouldn't occur for another two or three years. He refers to himself as the temple, and tells the people that when they destroy it, he will raise it up in three days. 
the people misunderstand Jesus' words, thinking he was referring to the temple that they were standing in, which thus far had taken 46 years to build. This was the temple Jesus had remained behind in when he was 12 years old. But while Jesus was intentionally vague here and let his words stand, even though the Jews were confused by his meaning, John, the gospel writer, makes it clear for the reader because he too didn't understand Jesus' point until after Jesus' resurrection. That's what Jesus meant by the destruction of this temple and raising it up in three days. Jesus would die on the cross. The Word of God took on flesh and tabernacled among us, as John 1.14 figuratively says. The tabernacle was the precursor to the temple, so the two are connected in meaning. Jesus, in human flesh, was the perfect and holy place that housed the fullness of the presence of God. And he died. But three days later, he was raised, glorified and vindicated, justifying his actions in the earthly temple to cleanse it for the honor and glory of his Father. In point two, we move from the Gospels to Paul's letter of 1 Corinthians to learn that Jesus came to be the greater Passover lamb. Having traced the storyline of the Bible, we saw this truth from its Old Testament origin back in Exodus 12 and 13. The gracious provision of God to rescue his people from the tenth plague against Egypt, the death of the firstborn. Because this was the last plague before the Hebrews' exodus from Egypt, the Lord instructed the people to prepare a meal and to be dressed and ready to leave once Pharaoh's declaration was made. Because of the quick exit, there was no time for their bread to rise, so they ate unleavened bread as a part of the meal at its origin and as a part of the annual celebration. Leaven, then, at the time of the Passover observance, became symbolic of uncleanness and sin. This wasn't the case year-round. In Matthew 13, 33, Jesus used the metaphor of leaven filling a large batch of flour to describe the nature of the kingdom of heaven as starting small on earth but growing to fill the whole earth. But here in 1 Corinthians, Paul makes the context of Passover explicit, so leaven takes on a negative connotation, symbolic of sin, such as malice and evil. And this old leaven is what Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb, was sacrificed to cleanse us from so that we can live in sincerity and truth rather than hiding in our shame or boasting in our brazen acts of defiance. In the context of 1 Corinthians 5, as the commentary on leader page 73 points out, the Apostle Paul was calling the Corinthian church to task for their toleration and boastful passiveness regarding overt sexual sin in their midst. While a little leaven in a parable of Jesus can describe the subversive growth of the kingdom of heaven, a little leaven here describes the subversive nature of sin in an individual and eventually growing within and consuming the whole church. Boasting over our worldliness is contrary to everything Jesus did throughout his life, and especially on the cross, to save us from our sin. One last thought before moving on to point three. Notice in verse seven the imperative instruction Paul gives. He effectively says, You clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new unleavened batch. But also notice the declaration of fact that Paul makes. So that you may be a new unleavened batch as indeed you are. As believers, we have a role to play in our sanctification. 
The primary focus of this passage is the corporate church, but the individual level isn't out of sight. We ought to be about the business, both individually and corporately, of cleaning out the old leaven of sin. But we do so recognizing and embracing what Jesus has done for us already. He has made us into a pure body covered by His shed blood. We clean out sin because we have been cleansed of sin and saved from sin and death by virtue of Jesus' sacrifice for us as the greater Passover lamb. In point three, we jump to Hebrews, an important New Testament book for helping us to see the Old Testament, New Testament connections that come together in Jesus. Here, we are looking at the truth that Jesus came to be the greater sacrifice. In the previous point, the sacrifice in view was that of the Passover lamb. Here, the author of Hebrews was holding up the type of sacrifices in general, or we could say the entire sacrificial system as prescribed in the Mosaic Law. The biblical writer stated that the law as a whole was only a shadow of the good things to come. And then he went on to highlight one way the law is superseded by the better ministry of Jesus. The ministry of the Old Testament priests to make sacrifices never ceased. They made animal sacrifices year after year because such sacrifices could never perfect the worshipers. This was because the blood of animals can never take away human sins. The death of an animal cannot fully take the place for the deserved death of a human sinner. In God's grace, the Old Testament prescription for animal sacrifices was considered an atonement by God in the sense of forestallment of judgment, but a perfect substitutionary sacrifice was still required. Thus, the Son of God came into the world, taking on a body of flesh and blood and bone so that He could become that necessary sacrifice. The law prescribed animal sacrifices, but the ultimate sacrifice the Lord required was that of a perfect and holy human being. Once for all time, Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, laid down His life on the cross to die the death we deserved for our sin in our place. He saves us. He sanctifies us. And because He was raised to life again three days later, we know that He will glorify us with Him as well. Our salvation is secure, and our sanctification is in the works through the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we also work out with fear and trembling. And both of these are a reality because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, followed by His resurrection and vindication three days later. The Passover, along with the temple and its perpetual sacrifices, revealed God's desire to be with His people and the way that they could be made right with Him. These signs, however, pointed to the greater way that God would restore people to Himself through Christ, the incarnate Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. All who trust in Jesus' once-for-all sacrifice are forgiven and made right with God forevermore. Because Jesus' sacrifice provides us with complete forgiveness and acceptance by God, we believers should live with assurance and gratitude obeying God's commands so that we reflect our new identity in Christ, which He bought and paid for with His sacrificial death in our place. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.